Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to meet here today to hear your word. Lord, just open our hearts, open our ears, Lord, that we would receive the message that you want us to get. Lord, I just ask that you'd help Tony, Pastor Tony and Pastor Patsy to speak what it is that you put in their hearts, that they'd be able to uh, speak your words to us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, Brad. So this month, we're, we're what we're calling the, uh, the series that we're going to be uh, going into is everything necessary, and it's out of 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. Here's the, the verse. It says, I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary. And then when you notice there, everything necessary, uh, that's our series. But notice then it's for life and godliness. And then notice everything for life and godliness. How does that, you know, how can we have a rich, good fruitful life spiritually and every day as we live and it's through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and so thank God for revelation knowledge and it's from the revelation knowledge in God's word that our lives can be so blessed and fruitful and so there's everything necessary for life in God's word and that's what we're going to be talking about so it'll be different each Sunday uh, and so uh, before uh, we uh, talk a little bit more about that, just tell you, well, I'll, I'll just tell you this, that today we want to talk about blessings and blame, blessings and blame. And, you, and you'll see as we get into the Word today that God has something to say about everything. And as we look into it, we can see that blessings are a lot richer and more abundant when we know what to do with blame. And so we'll, we'll look into it. Now, let's, as we get into it, uh, before we do, can we just do this one thing? Here's the definition of blame. It's to find fault with, to hold responsible, an expression of disapproval or, re- or reproach. So if I were to blame somebody, that means I'm going to find fault with them. I'm going to blame them. I'm going to hold them responsible for something. So anytime that we blame somebody, we hold them responsible. And we could also say it's an expression of disapproval or reproach. Uh, and so it's, it's a dangerous thing. It's not good for us. And we're going to see in the Word today why that is. So let's talk about this. Uh, if we're going to blame, who are the different characters or, you know, who would we do blaming? Where would we direct our blame? Well, Uh, Some people direct blame to God, so you can blame God. Then you can go opposite, and you can blame the devil. And then, you know, uh, we can blame, a husband can blame a wife, or a wife can blame a husband. We can blame our friends. Parents can blame their children. Children can blame their parents. Children can blame each other. Children can blame their friends. So there's a lot of different people and characters we can blame. Now, when it comes to blaming, when and why do people blame? 
And here's some reasons, here's when and why we would do it. Uh, when things aren't going our way, that's, that's a time that we blame. When we feel hurt or offended, we will end up blaming. When we become even fearful of people, sometimes fear will cause us to blame. And, you know, and God wants to help us with all of our fears. And if we're really honest, you know, many people have a fear, and a lot of times they're different. And so we could throw a stone at somebody, like, you're afraid of the dark, why don't you grow up? Well, what, what are you afraid of? You that's casting the stone, you know? And so we can all, you know, we shouldn't cast stones at each other, and we should be willing to help even each other if there's different fears. And then even insecurities, different than fear, but insecurities can cause us to do blaming also. So some of the first people that blamed uh, we have Adam and Eve. They showed up real quickly, and Adam and Eve were the first ones that we can see that they did some blaming. Adam, he blamed God and his wife. He said, Lord, it's the wife you gave me. So it's like, why'd you give me this one? I mean, if who else was available back then? But, <laughs> but so why'd you, why'd you give me this lady that made me do something wrong? But then Eve, she blames the serpent you know, and, and so she blames somebody different. Now, I was telling Passy as we were praying this morning before the service, I, for some reason I thought about my parents. They're both with the Lord. And, you know, and, and you've heard some stories about my parents, and they had their bad areas and weaknesses, but they sure had a lot more good areas and positive things. And one of the things I saw with my parents is that I don't remember them blaming. They, they were not blamers. So in our home, I never heard them blame, but I did hear them getting squabbles with each other as husband and wife and do some blaming with each other. But they didn't really blame people outside the house. So we had a, a, a neighbor that came over, a, a good friend of my mother's. She would come over, and when I was younger, I would listen to them talk. I'd be in another room, and she was blaming the farmers for the dairy prices for milk were too high. It's the farmer's fault. It was the government's fault that gasoline was so high. And, and it was somebody was blaming somebody for something all the time. And my mother, my mother was a great listener. I mean, she was probably one of the great listeners. She would just smile and shake her. My, I had a real sweet mother, and she just listened a lot and shook her head. But I thought she never responded back and says, yeah, the government's a bunch of sorry idiots. I wish they would do something get those farmers to come in line and drop the dairy prices. So I, you know, you know, I never heard anything like that from my mother. So I thought, I didn't grow up in a home like that. But so, and then uh, my father never blamed, you know, where he worked. He worked at a, a big, he worked for General Mortars, and he was a tool and die maker in a, in a place called Packard Electric, and they made wiring harnesses for automobiles. And, you know, he, I never heard him come home and blame anyone at, at Packard Electric for anything uh, he wasn't a blamer kind of a person. So I grew up in that, so I, I'm thankful I didn't pick that up. But here's, here's what I found out that you could, you know, it carried on with me. When I worked, I worked in a machine shop. I had a real estate license. I pioneered a business and, 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 and did a business and did all, of, was a musician. Had a, you know, when you're a musician, you can blame the drummer for making a mistake on the bass. You know, you can, you know, you could blame the fact that you sang sour because the person that was singing the harmony made you go off on your part and all. There's a lot of things we can put blame on. And I found that I didn't really do that until I got married, 
And I found out <laughs> the easiest person to blame was my wife. <laughs> and so... We're all going to go home now. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, I found it convenient, you know. And, uh, yeah, so go on. <laughs> you can defend yourself now. <laughs> well, I blame you for that. <laughs> um, one of the first things that happened, well, you know, uh, we didn't marry until I was 31 and he was 34, and, and I was kind of in my ways and he was in his ways, and uh, uh, his ways he thought were right. And... Um, Did I hear something? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, one of the things that I had to change like straight away was I never locked anything. Uh, growing up on, in a farm community, it was just an inconvenience to lock anything. Somebody might need in. And so that meant for your house, the barn, anything, and your car. And then, and then why would you not keep the key in the ignition? That's where it goes, you know. <laughs> And so I, I was pretty, pretty relaxed, pretty chill on all of that kind of thing. And then, yeah, and then he I'd, I'd was be looking not that for, way. I said, where's the key for the car? You know, it's in the ignition. It's like, but the car's outside. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, we, we, we had some, we had some, uh, some revelation knowledge in those first, <laughs> those first months. And uh, so, w one time, we locked the house up tight, and uh, I mean, everything was locked, and um, then he said, he asked me, he said, where's the keys? And um, he had left the keys in the house. She really liked that. <laughs> Except for, he blamed me that the house was locked, <laughs> and he left the keys in the house. So, yeah, we had to was, uh, break a bathroom window, and he pushed me through the window. <laughs> we broke into our own house. Said, don't do that again. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, I think, I think that having somebody blame you on the other side of it, being blamed about something, you know, you want to get it off of you. It's not my fault. Have you ever had your kids ever you know, holler back to one another, well, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's his fault, you know. So blame can be a, a, a pretty heavy thing, even though it may not be bricks and stones, it can still be a pretty heavy thing. We're going to use a story, actually, to illustrate the, the difference between blessing and blame. The story, the story is in the Bible, and the Bible has all kinds of wonderful stories. Jesus used stories to teach doctrines and different truths. And, um, and so the Bible has these marvelous Old Testament stories that provide us opportunities to learn valuable truths. And the story that we're going to really see illustrating this difference between blessing and blame is in the story of Joseph. Don't you like Joseph? Yeah, so that is in Genesis, for those of you who may not know. And just to get, kind of give the story in a nutshell, we'll just go through the story in, in um, jet speed to kind of give us a recap, and then we'll break it down a little bit and look at some different things in that story. Joseph was 
the 11th of 12 sons. And um, wow, he had 12 or uh, 11 brothers. He was his father's favorite, which is poor parenting right off the bat. But yeah, his father was really um, quite favoring him and would always talk about him and gave him a coat that was all colored and, and was significant of favor. And so because, because of this extra favor that the father gave this one son, it uh, made the brothers um, actually despise him. And Joseph, being a younger, I mean, he, he, he not only wore the coat, he wore the favor, and he strutted in it. He knew his father liked him best, and he knew it, and he used it against his brothers, which didn't help. So then, to make matters worse, then he got a dream. As a young man, he had a dream that his, all of his 11 brothers were bowing down in front of him. And not only his brothers, but also his fathers, his father and mother. And they hated him for this. So uh, what made it worse is he didn't just hold this dream in confidence, you know, and, and secret to himself. He told his brothers, you're going to bow down to me. You know, I don't know what. And they just absolutely hated him for it and framed up on him one time when he came to where they were herding sheep, and they uh, decided a plan to get rid of him. They didn't want to kill him, but they were going to get rid of him. So these 11 brothers uh, put him in a pit, and then some Midianites came along uh, while they were there, and he, he, they sold him. They sold their brother into slavery. Okay, that's bad. And... Um, and then they took his coat, that's, that colored coat, and dipped it in animal blood and took it back to the father and said he got killed. And so the father, you know, mourned and everything. In the meantime, he's down in, in Egypt and got sold into slavery into a, a rich man's home. Ends up being over that house and then is betrayed by that owner's wife who wanted to seduce him, and he said no. And so she lied and said that he violated her. And Potiphar, who was, who was the owner of the house, was just livid that this man that he had trusted had violated his wife and has him thrown in prison. From prison, he, he becomes the... He becomes the warden inside of the prison and, uh, and really trusted among his men, inmates and, uh, and also in front of uh, the warden, or I mean in front of the people who are over the prison. He interprets the dreams of two fellow inmates, and one of those inmates was killed in, uh, you know, the dream came true for him. His dream came true. And the other dream for the other man brought that man back into to Pharaoh's house as the butler. And then Pharaoh has a dream that needs an interpretation. And this butler remembers this man in prison interpreted his dream. So Joseph at long last, 13 years after he got sold into slavery, 
Not 13 days, 13 hours, 13 blocks. No, 13 years. He gets out of prison and ends up being the regent, actually, of the superpower of that day. Amazing. At the end of the story, in Genesis, brothers, his brothers came from where they were in a time of famine and uh, knelt down and bowed before him. His dream came true. But there was a journey in between that contrasts blessing and blame. So that's what we're plunging into today. So Joseph, in all of this roller coaster of being his father's favorite, to being sold into slavery, coming up into Potiphar's house, and then being betrayed by Potiphar's wife, and then going into prison, and then being the head of the prison, and then finally coming out with his, his, the fulfillment of his dream, that whole long journey, in that whole long journey, you don't find blame anywhere. And if anyone had a reason to blame, yeah, he had a reason to blame. Not just two or three of his brothers, the whole lot, except for his youngest brother, Benjamin, sold him into slavery. It was terrible. He was betrayed, he was lied about, he was misunderstood. And, um, but his response, which we want to look at closely today, the way he responded to these shocking things was the reason why he was blessed and came back up. And it's something that we can learn today. So we'll look at Genesis chapter 37. And if we could even think about putting ourselves in a situation like this, verse 5, uh, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There they were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. So this is like his thing where was it the wisest thing to do to share his dream? Well, he shared it with somebody who was already jealous of him. They hated him more. Then you go to Genesis 37 and verse 28. It says, then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So if you can imagine, like, getting a word, and, uh, and I heard an older minister years ago say, well, some people chase, you know, and they go after hearing words. And he said, if you really looked in the Bible, uh, you might not want to get a word, because, like, if you notice... People that got a word in the Bible, a lot of times right after the word came an attack, and even the reason for the word was to help hold them steady during their attack. And so you even see that in the book of Acts where there were words giving, and then right after the words there was like great, uh, you know, just like uh, confusion or persecution, but it was the word that hold them steady. So here, you know, Joseph had a dream and right after his dream, he was probably on a great high, like, wow. And then all of a sudden now he's sold to slaves. It was like roller coaster up and then right down. So uh, thinking about that, what we see with Joseph is he didn't fixate 
on that. Uh, and so here's a thought. If we focus on who hurts and mistreats us, we become a slave to that experience and those people. And Joseph could have very easily became a slave to the experience and to his own brothers because he fixated on it. But he didn't fixate on that. And he decided not to cast blame for being a slave now and being sold out. So with that, uh, you know, I, I thought about, you heard what I said earlier, that I really didn't grow up under a family that blamed. But uh, ministry sometimes can really put a lot on you, and you can feel pressured being in ministry. So we were living in Italy. This is back in 1998. And this couple wanted to come and help us. And so we said, okay, you can move over. And they moved over to help us. But, uh, you know, they maybe were green behind the ears, maybe not a lot of experience, or they possibly had an agenda. But uh, they started to cause problems and division. And so, you know, it was getting a little bit not fun. And so Patsy then, and I told you last week what it's like having a wife like her, where she, she noticed my condition and she says you're so fixated on what happened there do you realize that that's all you talk about that's all you that's all you're talking about and really you know i was so fixated on it i didn't realize that that's all i was talking about and she said you're going to have to get let go of that and stop blaming them and stop talking about that and you know it was so correct because if we were ever going to recover and be fruitful you know in ministry in that country i was going to have to forget that and and you know what that that rebuke or her confronting me like that that was the spark that i needed to forget that and let go and and not blame anyone and get back on course with god for what he had for us in italy and it made a big difference when I decided not to blame anyone for what was going on, but to get back on and let God work through us. I think in any situation, any one of us would have a story. You've been betrayed by a friend, a family member, or there's been an injustice. Something has happened that's not been fair in our life. And, um, and exactly what Tony said, it can just demand all of our attention so that that's all we're seeing and then it gets to be all we're talking about and so this had happened with Joseph and um, you can imagine how his mind must have been reeling after he had he found himself in Egypt as a slave and how he could have just curled up in a ball and just cried or cursed or become violent or angry and just the whole world is against me. But actually in chapter 39 verse 5 it says, so it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Basically, it just says that he went to Potiphar's house as a slave. The next thing we know, he is the overseer in the whole house. What we don't see is that he has wasted any time complaining about what had happened to him. And it wasn't like, 
It was something small. He just didn't, like what Tony said, he didn't, um, he didn't become a slave to what happened to him. And, uh, and so there is no record of Joseph ever complaining or bla uh, blaming. If he had those who are um, leaders and those who are bosses of things, don't look for the complainers in their organization or under their employment to elevate. You don't elevate complainers around you because probably they could complain about you. Who people are looking, people in oversight or in, in leadership are looking for are people who have solutions, who will bring blessing. And so identifying with the problem in being a victim keeps us down. There was a dream for, for Joseph. There's a purpose and a plan for each of our lives. I think the enemy knows that. And some of what happens in our life happens so that we fixate on that and it sabotages the plan because we don't identify with God's purpose. We identify with being a victim. Uh, I thought about, um, I thought about um, a whole ethnic group of people, the Jews, have a lot of reason to be sad about their plight. I mean, they, and, and other, other ethnic groups do too. There's been genocides to all different kinds of groups of people around the world and, and gross injustices done. I'm just using them as an example. Because of their dogged determination not to be identified as victims, they end up rising up, leading corporations, inventing stuff, you know, Amazing, because whatever we identify with, whatever we attach to, will become our identity, not just in the past, but also in the present and the future. So it says in verse 21 that the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And that was the next place that Joseph went after he was overseer in Potiphar's house and then was accused by Potiphar's wife. Now he's in prison. We don't see him in a fetal position on the, on the floor of the prison just saying, it's not fair, it's not fair. I don't know about you. Or even here we go again. Yeah, here we go again. How many times has this happened to me? <laughs> has anybody said that? <laughs> I think, I think all of us have had those thoughts in our heads and maybe we've, we've whispered them, maybe we've said them, maybe we've shouted them, maybe we've told heaps of people. But we're just not seeing that in Joseph's story. And that's why he came up now again. He, is, um, he gave him favor in the sight of the, in the, sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 23 said, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with Joseph and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Uh, realistically, though, uh, you know, if we could get into Joseph's thinking, he's not any closer to his dream 
I mean, it doesn't look like it. When he was back at home with the dream and the colored coat, and it looked like he was favored among all of his family, he looked closest of all. He's looking far away from his dream. Okay, he's the leader in the prison, but man, he looks far from his dream. He was highly trusted, but again, the reason why he was highly trusted, not only in Potiphar's house, but he's now trusted in a prison, because he won't whinge. In fact, the scripture says that they, no one ever heard him curse his God. He didn't curse his God. He didn't curse his family. And he had a reason to. He really could have. But that story wouldn't be in the Bible if he had a. The reason it's in the Bible is because he left off the blame. And he chose the fact that he was blessed. Here's a, another thing we can pull out, another thought here, that uh, detours can be fruitful. And let's talk about, you know, a detour. We can cause our own detours by our decisions and what we do, but then there can be somebody else that causes a detour, and that's when we especially want to blame. We can blame ourselves, but we can blame other people for detours. And so if we jump ahead, and this is like further ahead with Joseph and uh, chapter 41 and verse 51, uh, it says, Joseph called the name, this is his firstborn son, Manasseh, and that name means, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So you do see that he remembered the past. He didn't forget where he came from and what happened, but he wasn't blaming and bitter. Uh, but then his first son comes along, and he says, the Lord has helped me to forget but then look at the next verse, too. He says, the name of his second, Ephraim, that means, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so when something goes wrong, somebody does something to us that might cause a detour, and we can say, well, look at what you've done to me, and because of you, this is where I am, that's one way you can look at it, or you can look at it another way. I'm not going to blame anyone I'm not going to have a victim mentality, but right in this place where I probably shouldn't be because of them, I'm going to stay out of bitterness and blaming, and in the place that I shouldn't be now, what, what does that say? I can be fruitful in this place of affliction. And that's what Joseph, uh, he had, a, that was really real to him. So he, he, he moved on, and he didn't blame so uh, just a thought for all of us, and maybe you're not where you want to be, and maybe you think somebody's responsible for it. Sometimes, and I've, I've seen this, we, we were traveling ministers, and so we, before we settled down to pastor, we sat with a lot of pastors for lunch, and we talked to a lot of pastors because we were quite busy at one time preaching a different place every week for a number of years. So that added up to a lot of pastors that we had lunch with a lot of different times. And there were certain times when a pastor felt like his ineffectiveness was because of his wife. Or a wife felt like her ineffectiveness was because of her husband, the pastor. And they saw that, like, you're the one holding me back. And, you know, uh, that's blaming someone else. And it, and it really, that's what will really hold us back a lot longer than a person can hold us back. So a, a thought there is that we can be fruitful 
where we are now. And that's, that's for all of us. I love that. One other thing that we can see in this story is that during the time that Joseph was in prison, uh, there were two, as we said before, there were two inmates in there with him. One was a baker for Potiphar, and the other was a butler for Potter, Potter I mean for Pharaoh. In the prison then, when they had the, their dreams, the, the, the butler and the baker, and, and uh, Joseph interpreted those dreams, interp interpreted them correctly. <clears throat> he told the butler, he said, you're going to get out in three days. They're going to come get you. Pharaoh wants you back. He's going he's to get you. And he said, don't forget me. Remember that I'm here. Okay, look at verse 14 of chapter 40. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. Verse 15, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of Hebrews, and I will also have done nothing here that they should put me in the dungeon. But he's telling this, he's telling this butler, he said, remember me, help get me out of here. But notice, verse 23 says, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph. <laughs> Sometimes there can be some good people that come across our life, and it's easy, um, it's easy to hang on to them, uh, to save us, to help us, to help vindicate us. And um, in the end... The Bible says, vengeance is mine, or vindication comes from God. Yes. It doesn't come from ourselves. We can't vindicate ourselves. But sometimes we're looking for people to vindicate us. And, and Joseph did that here. But the, the, the one guy that could forgot that he was there. So he had another opportunity to be disappointed. And he's you know, so to speak, rotting in, in prison, only he wasn't. But, I mean, he's been forgotten by his family. Everything is so bad against him for two, not two days, not two weeks, two years. 41 and verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph because he had a, a dream, very disturbing dream, and no one could interpret it. So Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. What we want to see on this part of the story is even though the butler did forget, after two years, uh, when Pharaoh had this dream that couldn't be interpreted by anybody else, the butler said, <laughs> he had a moment of recall. Oh, yeah. There's a guy in prison but it was exactly at the right time. It sure wasn't Joseph's time. Joseph's time would have been the day that, pot of, or that the, the butler got out of prison. A lot of times we want things to be shifted and made right, right now. Right now. I have found this to be the case. It's not easy to wait for vindication. God's vindication, God's way. And sometimes, because we don't trust that he really will, then we try to vindicate ourselves, justify ourselves, defend ourselves. 
look for somebody else to do it. But if we'll wait for God, he never is glorified by somebody that's victim. He's glorified when he can bring you up. He was glorified in him. So in Joseph, it says that they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Well, yee-haw, after being in their years. <laughs> when it came time, he came out quickly. And he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. So God gave a dream to Pharaoh that orchestrated his release. And it came, became another promotion. So you can even think, it's never too late when it's God. And even though we may have thought somebody hindered me from getting to a place quicker than I should have, if it's God's plan and his purpose, and, and if the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, that means God doesn't change his mind about things. So when God ordains something and he calls somebody, once he does that, he doesn't change his mind. And so even if there's detours, it's never too late with God. But for us and our part, we just have to make sure we don't get into the blame game, if that's what you want to call it. And everything going on in our life is because it's, uh, that isn't right is because of somebody else. Instead, we keep our trust in God. So here's just a summary of what we're saying today. Really simple. Choose not to blame God or people. That's a choice that we need to make every day where we say, I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame people today. Uh, another thing is we step back and consider the big picture. So it was easy, like for Joseph, once he went so far, he could have looked back then and said, wow, all along God was working through all this. You know, sometimes when you're right in it, it's hard to look back. But just know, if Jesus is your Lord and something isn't the way that you think it should be, God knows it. And he's there with you. And he's probably devising a way to get you to where you need to be, even though that's not where you think you should be. So even thinking about the big picture, God looks at the big picture all the time. Okay? So with that in mind, people cannot hinder the plans and purposes of God. People cannot hinder the plans and purposes of God. And God will fulfill dreams. God will get us to our giftings and callings. Uh, it doesn't always happen as fast in the way that we think. Here's a, here, and here's, uh, and I'm going to have the worship team come. Here's four things now that if, uh, if we choose not to blame, here's four things that are beneficial when we don't blame. First of all, it positions you for blessing. And we see that with Joseph. He chose not to be a blamer. He was always positioned for blessing, and he always had the favor of God come upon him. Secondly, it keeps you healthy. And the doctors have already proved uh, even worry. Now, worry is not blaming, but the doctors have proved like strife and, you know, grudges, all that kind of stuff 
It's already proven medically it can mess with your health. It's another great reason to let go and don't blame. And then uh, thirdly, it keeps your relationships healthy. When we decide not to blame, there's always better relationships when we don't do that between husband and wife. And lastly, when necessary, it keeps restoration of a relationship close at hand. So when we blame, it kind of separates. And even when Joseph's brothers showed up, he wasn't living a blaming lifestyle. He did mess around with them a little bit and uh, played some games with them. And that was okay, but it wasn't out of strife, bitterness, or anything like that. But because he wasn't living a blaming lifestyle, it was close at hand for restoration. So when we choose not to blame, all of our relationships are close at hand, and they can have restoration happen in them. You know, um, blessing versus blame. We saw, we've seen over and over in this, in Joseph's story, that he was blessed. He kept on coming up and being blessed. He kept on, no matter what setting he got dumped into, he'd end up being blessed. But what is an amazing thing is all along his journey, not only was he blessed, he was also a blessing. He ended up being a blessing to Potiphar. He ended up being a blessing in the prison. And then he finally was not just a blessing to Pharaoh, he was a blessing to all of Egypt as well as to his family and many others. He saved everybody's life. Often when we're looking for vindication, it's very personal. We want our reputation saved. We want our feelings to be restored. God has a big picture. Tony mentioned that big picture. That big picture is bigger than ourself. The way God vindicates isn't, doesn't just clear your name. It sets us up not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing to more people than what we would have ever imagined. You just have to trust him. This morning in communion, um, Nina mentioned Isaiah 53, that he was chastised for our peace. How do you let go of blame when there's so much pain associated with betrayal and injustice? It hurts. And she, she mentioned that verse of scripture that he was chastised and that was, the, uh, that was depicting what happened when that crown of thorns was shoved down on Jesus' head and those awful thorns poked in his head. Injustices and people doing mean things and um, things that are shockingly done wrong against us and violation and hurt to our lives are like those thorns. He was chastised for our peace. We've already taken communion this morning, but it applies to the areas where you could blame. We can let him go. We can let it go. Not because we're so amazing, but because Jesus has done a work for us so that we can let it go. This morning, we're gonna let some stuff go. Thanks for listening. 
We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.